wanted to do a Grant Morrison comic, and then I really struggled with what would be an accessible Grant Morrison comic, because I like Grant Morrison, but Grant Morrison sure makes it hard to pick a nice accessible work. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad for the one you picked, because I've been curious about Frank Quietly. Oh, okay. So I was really glad to be able to read a Frank Quietly book, actually. Well. Frank Quitely and Grant Morrison have worked on multiple titles, so I had a few options in front of me, and I decided to go with the one that I had not read before, as opposed ah. to New X-Men, which I had read before. Ah, New X-Men, okay. And New X-Men is where I know Frank Quitely from, and, like, I really like, like, I especially like the art in that. Like, I think that's the, we're already doing an episode here, so yeah. welcome to the trailers, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I really like the art in that. I think that's the best Frank Quitely that I've seen. Uh, I mean, the story for New X-Men is also good. But again, it's like deep into X-Men lore. I don't know how accessible it's going to be. But nothing in superheroes is really so. Yeah, I mean, like I haven't actually read all of it. But I thought about We Three as another option. Because that's Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. And it's basically... Is that the, the one with the animals? Yeah, it's the. No, incredible. I don't. I don't want to do that one. I was gonna say. I, I browsed through that one once in a comic <laughs> store, and I was like, I don't want this. Oh, okay. So I was gonna say it's basically the incredible journey, but the animals are in giant mech bodies. I remember there being some like body horror or something, though. So no thanks. Okay. Well, Grant Morrison likes likes <laughs> body horror. So. I actually I prefer body horror. So. Yeah, but uh, with, with pets, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Um, it's a bit annihilation then. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so like before we officially start, I thought we should have like a, a brief comment about pronouns because I know we had a conversation about this ahead of time. Just that I remember there being a news post making its rounds around the comics community about grant morrison using they them pronouns uh and jeff did find a, a quote from grant where he, he was saying that he takes that as a, a badge of honor uh so i don't think it's necessarily true that that would be incorrect but on his own website he uses he him so i think that's what we're going to go with at least for now yeah grant is of a generation that i think enjoys being maybe just counter to mainstream and so maybe because like well he's developed a self-perception of himself yeah he doesn't he, want to he understands himself and yeah. if he were i think he understands this you know like if he had come up through this current generation he might use different words but he's come to embrace the words that make sense to him and so we're going to respect that yeah yeah it's interesting that um when i saw margaret cho recently she made a similar comment on stage sort of saying if I grew up today I think I would identify as non-binary but I'm whatever 50 years old and so like I'm just this is who I am like don't worry about it you know yeah and Alison Bechtel has said something similar uh really? how she's like she's come you know she she recognizes now that had the environment been different she might have identified as gender career but she has come to understand herself as a butch lesbian and there are some nuances to that that she wants to inhabit and defend but it's not across the board in that generation so uh yeah, like, eddie izzard for example has you know very recently come out and said like please use she her for me and so everyone has their 
core understanding of themselves. And so whenever possible, we defer to their preferences. And so, yeah, right. and I think maybe because I spend all my time around kids, I, I get the, the new vocabulary. And so I've decided that, you know, they make sense for me. I can go with, with he or they. So, yep. I mean, I'm not that much younger than any of these other people, but uh, so I don't think it's just a generational thing. I think it's also who you're around. Yeah. And so, so I've, which I've, is a community effort. Yeah. I've come to become comfortable with they as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's not, sorry, it's not any one generation for sure. Uh, so, I mean, that's context though. It matters. Yeah. It, it's part of who you're around is how old you are and what your experience has been. Also that, that Grant Morrison rejects any and all labels that anyone wants to apply to him is very on brand for Grant Morrison. <laughs> yeah, I vibe with that energy. I like it. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, we've been talking around this for a little bit. Jeff, what book are we doing today? Oh, we're doing All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. So I have a little bit of information about the creators. If you want to, we want to lead in with that. Grant Morrison is a Scottish comic book writer and producer, and he's known for lots of nonlinear narratives, uh, human philosophy, and countercultural leanings in his writing. Morrison wrote extensively for DC Comics, becoming famous with his run on Animal Man, which I almost thought about doing this as the episode, but you'd have to kind of read all of Animal Man, so it's just not possible a very fourth wall breaking run. He also did a famous run on the Doom Patrol, which I would say the current TV series is very much inspired by his run of the series. So if you like that TV series, Grant's thumbprint is on it. He wrote the JLA, Action Comics, Green Lantern, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, Wonder Woman Earth One, and his creator-owned series, The Invisibles, is probably his one of his most famous. It's something he's claimed has been ripped off by the Matrix series. I personally don't know if I see it, but that's what he, he has said. He also wrote The Filth and uh, Happy, which got ad- adapted into a TV series as well. Frank Quitely is also a Scottish comic book creator, a famous Scottish comic book artist. Uh, Frank Quitely is a nom de plume again, which I'm always surprised when I find out about these nom de plumes in American creators. I thought that was a European thing. Oh, sorry. I say about the Scottish creator. Anyways. Anglophone. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, he's best known for collaborations with Grant Morrison on titles such as New X-Men, We Three, All-Star Superman, and Batman and Robin. And he also worked with Mark Millar on The Authority and Jupiter's Legacy. So yeah, just solid comic book creators. I really wanted to do something with Grant Morrison as the writer. And All-Star Superman just seemed like the most accessible, self-contained work that I could think of. And uh, before we get into our discussion, we should probably do a character building question. So... My character building question, maybe unsurprisingly, is uh, based on this book, is what is something on your bucket list? Hmm. Interesting. So maybe I'll start while you guys think about it, because I know what my answer is, but I also know I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself in those final days, uh, which is my bucket list would be to finish a goddamn graphic novel. (laughs) 
So I guess I better just get a move on and actually do that. But yeah, actually having a book with a spine that just says by Jeffrey Ellis on the side of it is on my bucket list. Uh, I mean, whomst among us? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't have, I don't know if I have a goal, a specific goal that I need to get done. I have a lot of things I want to do, but I mean, I, I, I work until I drop and then that's how much I got done. I'm JD. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that could be your epitaph. Um, <laughs> that's my goal is to have that as an epitaph somewhere. That's good. That's good. I want formidable foe as my epitaph, please. <laughs> uh, so I, I, conversely, I have like a number of things on my bucket list that I've been actively working towards for at least 10 years now. So one of them is I want to have enough books with my name on or in them to fill a shelf and I've designated a shelf for that so I would say I'm about 52 percent there wow okay and study progress yeah, every anthology right every yeah, yeah. out so like every mention that I'm I have contained. a shelf like that but I've cheated by having multiple copies of books so it is not yeah, you gotta print it down you have full. to have the shelf you know yeah uh I want to visit every continent and I'm making progress towards that one. I want to speak to an audience of 5,000 plus. So if we ever get 5,000 listens on a SoundCloud thing, that might that might help. Uh, but yeah, I have a number of things on my list. I don't Not know if they're 12 labors, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like reframing a bucket list as 12 labors instead. I, Is that I, like a biblical thing or like it's, a it's, Greek see, thing? On, um, it's Hercules. Hercules. It's Her- that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I really like the that answer, Jim. I think I'm going to work towards filling a shelf uh, because you just re- made me realize that like I already have all those Cloudscape anthologies. I'm that's like, right, man. Your name is in them. You are already immortalized. I am partway there. I've already started this goal. I'm going to steal that. Uh, I guess we should talk about this book. Okay, so this was kind of a hard sell for me at start at the start. As I mentioned in our previous episode, I have not read a lot of DC. I don't really know the comics universe. I mostly know the characters from movies and TV shows. Uh, and the comics are never quite in sync with those. And I don't know, it's a DC, even more than Marvel, seems like a, a difficult universe to crack. It's just so big and it keeps being rebooted. And I don't even know after reading this book if it counts as canon like what even is canon when you've got multiple reboots in your history but in the end I did enjoy this Uh, like uh, and we can talk more about specific reasons later but uh, I really like the way they've portrayed these characters they feel like how I think the characters should be which is not nothing right on I was just sorry I just wanted to jump in really quick and I was going to mention that this is a, a DC Elseworlds series. Like this is not part of continuity. Like the the original, I think, intention of the series was to be a reboot for Superman. But when they looked at what Grant was doing, they were like, oh, he can't build off of this. So if this is your own thing, dude. And so oh, basically- How dare you write something good? We can't count right. that now. Right. They so, did the same so thing that- to Alan Moore with Watchmen originally and then decided no no we're just gonna like adopt all that anyways and like ruin it after so so i i just wanted to say that like this is one of the reasons i suggested this is there's 
conceivably, even though like he does reference lots of like lore, there's nothing that's happened in a previous issue that you're supposed to have read before you started reading this. And there's nothing else after the end of this. Like this is it. There's just no connective tissue other than I think there's an assumption that maybe you have read some Superman in the past and are aware of some things, but like it is, it is its own little thing that's self-contained. Okay. Well, I do appreciate the effort in trying to find something self-contained. I think it was relatively self-contained in that it's only 12 issues long and all 12 issues kind of follow this one thread and then it ends. And I liked that. And I've here, here's kind of my worry. So like, I guess I've gotten the reputation as like the superhero hater. Um, Here's my take on superheroes at this point. Superhero comics have a lot of continuity and they like dragging that continuity back in. At this point, I don't want to complain about it, except for right now, <laughs> because I feel like it's it's a hallmark of the genre. So it would be like complaining about rigid gender roles in a period piece, you know, or like period romance or spaceships in, in science fiction. You know, it's just kind of part of it. So that being said, I understood maybe I, I got confused 30 to 40 percent of the time where I just like, I did not understand what was happening. I'm like, am I supposed to know who this is? Like, why is Jimmy Olsen in a suit now? Like, oh, who's this rainbow guy? Like, and it started page one. It started page one, Jeff. (laughs) And this is not your fault, but like page one, you're on this, these people going into the sun and it feels like you're supposed to know who all these people are. And I super didn't, except for Lex Luthor who was in jail, but they were cool with Lex Luthor making superhero stuff in jail for reasons. I didn't really get what was happening a lot of the time. Uh, and that was a that was a struggle in this book. Uh, however, overall, I did enjoy it. I liked the story. I really liked Frank Quietly's art, and we can talk more about that. I liked the exploration of like, Superman is dying and what's up with that. Uh, I personally think it could have gone a little farther into the kind of ramifications and reflecting on his legacy rather than the like, hey, let's have a bunch of cameos for these random people from various universes. So, but yeah, I liked it. I didn't hate it. I read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the this reputation that you're assigning yourself where you are the one who hates superheroes is really only a matter of degrees. Like I also felt very confused for maybe 20%, 25% of this uh, and just pushed through. And that was definitely my experience for the first half of the book is like, who is this again? Like, is am I supposed to know who the guy in the rainbow outfit is? Like, okay, I've heard of Atlas and Samson. I know that the, I, I'm sure I've seen this character somewhere. I remember like the, the badge with the Antarctica on it. I've seen that somewhere. Uh, but like, I don't know what his deal is. I don't know how much of this is new. So yeah, like it's it's only a matter of degrees here. It's not that you are the superhero hater invading the space of the superhero fans. That is I'm a not, I'm misrepresentation. Really, I'm really trying. I need you to understand. I'm really, really trying. <laughs> and I will also say that I am not going to read any DC comics unless they are part of recording an episode of the Trade Readers. <laughs> I mean, 
I probably also am not reading DC Comics unless they're part of an episode, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, this is why we are people who wait for trades. Yeah. We don't have the kind of patience that's required for a typical superhero genre. I mean, yeah, I, I've, mainstream DC continuity has never hooked me. The only time I read DC is when it is a self-contained work. That is when it interests me because I don't want to do, maybe it's because I put in all my time in the Marvel continuity and I'm just like, I can only do one and I can't do <laughs> continuity for this. And I will say like, you know, I would say that maybe since you guys were given numbers here, I mean, I would say there's maybe five to 10% of this book that I was like, wait, who's that? Am I supposed to know this? But my outlook reading this, and you guys can tell me what you think of it, but like, I felt to me, this felt like when you're reading like Greek mythology and it's just like, there's all the characters, like there's Hercules and Zeus and Athena. And like, every time you hear the legend, there's a slightly different interpretation of them, but you kind of know that they all belong together and there's certain things that happen. And like, every time someone tells you the story, it's a little bit different. And so like, I just saw this as like taking Superman and expressing him as myth. And like, I think really having Hercules and Atlas show up or no, sorry, Samson and Atlas show up was really putting it on the nose where like these actual mythological strongmen show up and talk about Superman and the 12 labors and just sort of set the table for like, no, 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 this is Superman as myth. And so I guess the things that I didn't understand, I just was like, this doesn't matter. Like, like, I don't, I'll tell you, like, I don't know the guy in the rainbow coat, Quintum, like, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you anything about him, but I was just like, right, we're in a Superman universe. There's a scientist guy and he sent a ship to the sun. That's all I need to know. Like some scientists sent a ship to the sun. Whether this guy has like a whole backstory is irrelevant, right? Lex Luthor. Well, you know, he's a bad guy. Oh, apparently he's in jail now. Like, I think there's like one panel where like a U.S. general comes in and it was like, hey, we were having you make stuff for the U.S. government, not kill Superman. And then Lex Luthor's like, I missed the part where that's my problem. Like, <laughs> you know. yeah, but the general's name was Lane. Yeah, and he's, like, he's like, like Lois Lane's Lane? dad or something like that. Is he? So okay, there's a lot. There's a like, lot of window dressing where I, I wish it had been less, but I, I agree with you, Jeff. And I do think that this was setting up as like Superman, the myth. And I kind of wish superhero comics could get to the place where they're willing to accept their characters as just archetypes and be like, we're telling this story. I feel like some characters are getting there. I feel like Spider-Man is almost there where it's like universe. What? <laughs> different universe. Oh, I just said like Spider-Verse where Spider-verse. It's, just, it's like, we can just take the concept of Spider-Man and plug it in. Now he's a noir Spider-Man. Now yeah. he's a black Spider-Man. Now he's a 60s Spider-Man, you know? like Yeah, now he's a pig, you know? Like, sure, whatever. <laughs> I, I kind of like that vibe a little better. And I did think that this comic was getting closer to it. So Superman is something that I can respect as a, a piece of Americana, you know? Like, it's it's got such symbolism to it, and it's got a really storied history, and it has inspired a lot of people. And I did like this kind of send up almost like okay now this is coming to an end and let's do this send up of this character taking him to his limits really yeah, yeah. i feel like the the part of it that was the most successful was in the characterization where like there's so many different versions of these characters 
And I'm only familiar with the ones from TV and movies. I have not read very many DC comics. So I, I recognize that I don't have the full perspective of all the Superman who have existed, but at least based on what I know, this feels like among the most authentic representations I can think of, or like who I imagine. And this is part of, I think, like the, the DC superheroes are in this sort of like strange spot where they're semi-mythological. Everyone has a kind of a sense of who they think they are, but there isn't really, like there isn't like the book of legends that you read as a kid to understand Greek mythology. There's just like a million comics, which no one has read. And no so- <laughs> someone, someone is furiously <laughs> writing in comments about like, I don't know, the encyclopedia of superheroes or something. And they're just like, no, there's yeah. a definitive history. Okay, <laughs> I read the Marvel encyclopedia. I'm not going to read a whole second encyclopedia. <laughs> Reflecting on this actually. And I was, ref- uh, as we were, as I was kind of psyching myself up for this episode, I was reflecting on if I had gotten into superheroes as a kid. And if you're a kid, you kind of have that, I understand, except for 30 to 40% of what's going on broadly in your life, right? You know, and so it's a little less uncomfortable to kind of gloss over Mm. those aspects that you don't fully understand and just get drawn in by like these cool fight scenes and these really cool characters who are really powerful, saving the day. And then slowly, as you keep reading them, you get to hook this knowledge into it and it's like uh you know collect them all like i mean i was into pokemon i know i understand the the joy of learning a ton of useless facts and you know like i I understand bringing that back in and being like oh yeah that's poison type yeah that that makes a lot of sense I i like that take on it and to sort of pair with that i like that both this and mad love which was the uh the book we read last time they both feel like they would be accessible to kids. Like these are not books that you couldn't give to like a young teenager and worry about what they're reading. And that is definitely not the case with everything that DC publishes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to be reading the DC comic because I would veto it where like the Joker cuts his own face off or whatever it is. Like, I don't, I hate that kind of stuff because uh, and I mean, I don't, I'm not reading these for kids anyway, anymore, so I don't know why DC cares what I think, but like, it feels like these are characters who were invented in the 1930s for kids and they don't necessarily have to always be the one thing, but I feel like if you're doing something completely outside that, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think that Things have gotten better as of late, but like, I think in the nineties, I mean, that was like, that was just the, the sludge of it all was like, we've gotten rid of the comics code. Now superheroes can like have sex and cut people's heads off. And then like, that's all you got for like a decade. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the main problem for me personally, is that like, that was the decade when I was in that window where I could tolerate only understanding half of what I was reading. And I would pick up one of these in those, you know, grim, dark nineties and be like, super don't like this. And I would pick up a Sonic comic and go out the door, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't know. I think this is uh, a big part of reading this for me is I just really appreciated like the, 
the core messaging of this work where like Superman is like constantly, continuously protecting and saving people, even when he's Clark Kent, which is something I loved about this book is when he's Clark Kent, he's clumsy, quote unquote clumsy. And every time he trips and falls, he's doing it to protect somebody. He's like stopping someone from like having a, a, a mechanical part land on their head or even like he saves Lex Luthor from electrocuting himself by like accidentally tripping over a power cable. Like he's yeah, constantly, that. That was fun. constantly saving people's lives. And then he's always just like the, the dialogue is like Superman's just like, no, like there has to be a better way. Like there has to be hope. We have to like, everyone has to be saved. I have to do better. Like, it's just like he embodies what Superman is supposed to be and like God like Zack Snyder why didn't you read this why Zack Snyder understands he's like... not reading this <laughs> uh, and so yeah I I agree with you Jeff and I really enjoyed that aspect of the character where he felt where it seems like he was really once he understood that he was dying he's like he just kind of accepts it and he's like it's really important for me to leave things on a good note where I wish there had been a little bit more exploration is like, what did, okay, but you kind of coddled humanity in a certain way. So it's like, you kind of shielded them so much that can they stand on their own now? It's like, no, their only, their only recourse is to build a new Superman somehow. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I wish there was more exploration into that aspect of the legacy and maybe, hmm, should I have done all this? Should I have been building other people up as well? In a kind of justice leaguey way maybe i don't know yeah there, there's a uh, i don't think it's delved into in any depth but there is a little bit of that i felt where he like and, and it's kind of like there's so much going on in here that it's easy to lose track of what's what's happening but he sort of creates this like alternate universe like the earth oh, yeah yeah calls it to test out what would happen if i was never here and we're never really given a lot of resolution for that, but the, the last scene of Earth Q that we see is the original creators of Superman creating the Superman comic. So yeah. I guess we're living in the world without Superman and our response to living in a world without Superman is making one up. That's interesting. Yeah, I was a little bit confused by that thread, but I did like that kind of resolution of like, oh, they came up with a Superman. I didn't get that take from it. So I like that interpretation. Oh, I mean, there's, yeah. there's like, it's a lot. It's so yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I want to talk a little bit about the pacing too. Uh, I feel like the pacing in this is typical of superhero comics. And I don't think there's anything wrong with this pacing. It's very fast. Stuff happens like off panel, between the panels. You just got to roll with it. And I think it's a necessary part of monthly comics issues. Like, I feel like this, we are kind of reading this because we are trade readers, we are reading this the wrong way. We are meant to be reading this in individual issues, one per month. And, and talking is, about them for a month. Yeah. And, and that is the, the way the story is written. So much like with a, a newspaper comic where you have to understand as you read it, oh, there's one of these a day. That's why it's shaped this way. Like, I feel like it, it does as well as it can with that. Uh, but it's also not what I'm used to at all. Like, even having read this kind of comic for a long time, I'm now used to a different way to pace a story. And so it's, it's, a, it's sort of, it's a different world. 
I agree with that. Like one of the reasons I kept getting confused is because of this pacing issue that you described. I think the one that was the most difficult for me was the appearance of the the bad son for what I, I forget what it's called. Oh yeah. But like okay. Superman was just getting ready and then he's like, ah, oh, the bad son is here. And Lex Luthor was planning this all along. And I was like, was he? Like I had to, <laughs> I had to like page back and I'm like, what happened? Now we're fighting the sun, but it's not the sun. It's just a sun. I'm so yeah. confused. But like it the, the, happened the very quickly. Like the, there's a flashback where we're suddenly back in Smallville before he becomes Superman officially or before he's well known. Um, this is, uh, it took me <laughs> oh. like half of the flashback to figure out, oh, wait, this is a flashback. Right. I mean, yeah. I not, think like, not the flashback where he's with his dad. A different. No, that's, that's it. Like he's oh, okay. flashing back to when his dad was alive and that is in the past. His dad dies before the story starts. Yes. Yeah. But the son was there? Like no, the, no, no, the not the son. son? The, the, the evil son was not there. Okay. Are you, I think, sorry, I, uh, Jonathan's talking about another instance of, okay. of bad pacing. And I think Dude, we're it's illustrating- not bad pacing. We're illustrating- Unfamiliar by, pacing. Um, by just stacking up two examples side by side. And then we're like, wait, are these interrelated? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I also, it also took me a beat to understand that that was a flashback as well. I mean, you know, I, I thought you were going to specifically mention in the flashback that, because essentially some of the other Superman from other timelines have shown up secretly, and they're fighting this, this time monster. And the reason they're fighting the time monster is because that was the thing that distracted Superman from being able to spend time with his dad before his dad had a heart attack. And he still gets distracted. And so then the Superman in bandages goes to spend time with his dad before he dies. And it's revealed that that was the original Superman. But like, there's a moment where you see the Superman in bandages flying into battle and then you turn the page and then suddenly he's like wearing his coveralls and he's talking to Pa Kent and you're like, wait, what? Like, did, did we jump in time here? And it's just, I mean, I know people are oh, super fast and he like, okay, but like the pacing of that is, I was like, I we're in the middle of a battle and now you're cutting back to this tender moment. And it wouldn't have taken me out of the story if you hadn't set up the character in the tender moment also being in the battle. Like if you just didn't have the Superman and bandages in that scene, then I would just take it like, oh, he wasn't there. He's somewhere else. Like, sure. But like you show him in one scene and he's now in another scene. You're like, what's going on here? You know, like, yeah, the pacing stuff can can get in the way. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I, like, again, this is where it's that 5%, 10%. I think that that bad son character, I think that's a character that pre-exists. And I, I hope so. That, like, <laughs> it's very random otherwise. Lex Luthor like brought him in, but like, I mean, I see, I guess like I, for me, I feel like they did enough, they spent enough time establishing that the sun is the sort of fuel for Superman's powers. And so what better creature to sort of throw at him than this, like this monster sun, like it kind when Lex I, Luthor's I trying guess... to take him out. Okay, like, like I, I, I like that as metaphor. And I, I did really like that the source, like sending Superman to the sun, like in the beginning, it's like, oh, this is actually like degrading yourselves. 
And so it's making you super powerful in the short term, but in the medium term, mm. you're going to die. Like I did like that aspect, but then like, I thought the metaphor was, was done, you know, <laughs> like, the source of his power is also his greatest enemy, but then they have this son that's also alive and like, it's, it's just, <laughs> and can be punched. I don't <laughs> There, there's a, uh, I think it's in the end where Grant Morrison talks a little bit about the writing of this. There's some like interesting stuff. He, he, uh, it's interesting. First of all, he, he organizes it by character because I feel like the main purpose yeah. of this book is really to examine these characters and to sort of sum them up, canonize them, if you will. But there's one part of that where he's talking about how Superman is this sort of like sun god. The yeah. whole book is this like sun metaphor where he like goes to the sun and then like the middle part of the book he's in this dark world where there's no sun and he loses his powers and then he comes back and I I really like that like I feel like there's a lot of different ways to interpret the character of Superman and that's not one I've ever seen before but I think it really fits super well I liked it as well like Superman as a sun related deity really (laughs) worked for me and I I enjoyed the metaphor and hanging on it and I thought that was a fun, an, an interesting thread to hold the thing together. Yeah. And there's also just a lot of like really, really clever lines that I think, like, I, I guess it's a, it's just good writing to have your whole character summed up in a single line of throwaway dialogue. Uh, like there's the moment where Lois knows that Superman is dying. He doesn't have a lot of time left. Uh, and I forget which of the many, many things it is he has to go and punch happen, but he says, oh, I have to go do this thing. And Lois is like, yeah, I know, go for it. Like, I like that because I think there's been plenty of other versions of Lois where she's like, why are you Superman? Don't be Superman. Uh, spend time with me. But like, that doesn't make sense for Lois's character. If we know anything about Lois, like she's the world's best reporter. Like she understands the concept of like sacrifice, self-sacrifice, for the benefit of the world, why wouldn't she be on board with Superman doing that too? Yeah. And like that heroism is part of his appeal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the the line at the very, very end, right before he shoots off into the sun. Spoiler alert, I guess, for this book. Um, <laughs> where he's like, I will love you till the end of time. You know, like that's kind of, and you know, there's always a way. Like there's these other things that are repeated throughout mm-hmm. that kind of this is what Superman stands for. And I feel like it's interesting that you brought up the Zack Snyder movie, because I feel a lot of the pushback, valid pushback on that movie was like, this isn't what Superman stands for. And kind of Superman as an archetype, as a a God, you know, like as a, as a piece of mythology that it's, it's, you can do a lot to bend that mythology, but you have to stay true to certain beats. And I think Zack Snyder's movie took away from the beats that people have come to expect from Superman. But I thought this book went super, super well. I think JD, you said earlier that it wrote the character in the way that you conceived of them. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Except for Jimmy Olsen, yeah. it didn't make sense to me. And, and not just Superman, like the other characters too. Like I like, I really like the way Lex Luthor is portrayed where he's sort of like super charismatic. And I've seen plenty of versions of him where he's like, I hate Superman because like some combination of his personal ego and that he's a quote unquote self-made man and rather, rather than just like getting his powers for free from the sun. But there's like specific things he does that like just suit his character so well. 
don't know if I can think of the one I was thinking of now, but. Well, sorry, while you're thinking, I was just going to say, like, I just sort of feel like a maniacal billionaire who could use their resources and intellect to better humanity, but instead is pursuing selfish ends just feels a very relevant in 2023. And like, I see, I thought when you were talking about the end line jam, I thought you're going to reference the very memeable image of Superman standing over Lex Luthor saying you could have saved the world years ago if it mattered to you, Luthor. That was a very good one. That was the line I was trying to think of. Yeah, that's it. Like, of course, I don't know why, but I just, I, I never thought of it quite that way before. Like, I guess I've been listening to Lex Luthor too much uh, describe himself, which he does on every page. But no, obviously, he's a billionaire. He's like this incredibly intelligent inventor. He's like, he could be a superhero. He could do stuff, like even more than Batman. Batman, I don't know, Batman could use his money better than punching people in alleys. But like that, a hundred times more for Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is obsessed yeah. with this one guy he thinks doesn't deserve power but like what's he gonna do with power he's done nothing but fight superman yeah at every turn he could have done something like to leave a lasting legacy for himself and all he's done is pursue like petty petty grievance you know (laughs) um which yeah i think the characterization of lex luther is just so uh, spot on in my mind the the vision in my head i have of lex luther suits this lex luther perfectly you know again having not read a lot of other superman comics uh but i just think the take on lex was really good i mean i like that you know it's kind of like the beginning of the book it's like people are like well you sort of sort of had this deal with the government why did you jeopardize that and kill superman and he's like well because i realized i'm getting older and he's not and it's just like so petty but it's <laughs> on brand for lex luther <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah uh man i gotta say maybe just sw- switching gears i really like frank quietly or quietly's art um there's so many scenes that just captures kind of the gravitas of superman like there's so many giant spanning scenes and like epic just every panel feels epic and like action like i was thinking i can't remember where it is but there's this a, a single panel where like a gas canister gets shot and bounces off the ground and quietly just draws the smoke plume and you just you feel the movement of that smoke canister and it's like he's just such good stuff with like still images but you can feel the movement in the in the panels yeah they feel very the way he draws, I, I agree with everything you said. I really enjoyed being able to appreciate and access some of Frank Quietly's work in context. Uh, I've seen his work around and been curious about it, but I've been intimidated <laughs> by comics and not wanting to wade in. Uh, so I was very happy to have an opportunity to kind of absorb it in in a panel by panel context. And it's it's incredibly strong. What really stood out to me, I love how strong and large and yet still kind of soft the way Superman is rendered. And I think this is a reaction because I came up again through the 90s where all the superheroes, Superman included, were like crazy ripped, you know, like just like insanely unrealistically ripped. And this feels real. Like he feels 
incredible like he looks like a strong man you know and like a, yeah. the, the competitive kind of strong man yeah and then and, which is what his original character design was he's wearing tights because right. that's what a wrestler would wear right 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 and it, it works really really well like he does feel I don't know. You kind of just feel safe looking at him. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the way he draws Clark Kent, I mean, I feel like he's kind of referencing, is it Christopher Reeve? Oh, Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. He, like, I feel like he's referencing Christopher Reeve because I've seen screenshots where you can see, like, Christopher Reeve would, like, stand a different way when he's wow. Clark Kent versus Superman. And there's a, a particular scene where he's about to reveal himself to Lois Lane and he, like, changes his posture on screen it's like oh, oh. and, and I, he's doing that in the comic with yeah. like the way that you can kind of see the this the way he sort of figured that out in the the pages at the back where he's figuring out how to get the same body in two different poses yeah and, and it's just it's magic it's yeah so slam dunk like i think magic is a good way to describe it because it takes such a profound command of anatomy and form to be able to illustrate that kind of physical physicality of acting is it's so subtle and oh knocks it out of the park really really well done yeah the that that panel that little sketch in the back where it shows like clark kent slouching and kind of pushing pushing <laughs> his neck so he kind of has like a double chin and you're just like oh wow like because superman's got super muscles so you can just hold a weird pause like <laughs> uh longer than an average human right so he just kind of holds his body in a in a way that makes him look kind of schlubby and then when he wants to be superman he's standing up straight that was like a little thread i enjoyed in this book too of just multiple times superman reveals himself and the people closest to him are basically just like uh no superman you're pretending to be clark kent you know, and he's like, no, no, no. Like I am Clark Kent. Like, ah, that schlub, no way. He's too fat to be you. Like, uh -huh. okay, I feel like that, that when I, that was one of the things that bothered me reading this at the start was the whole plot seemed to center around like, oh, right. He's been lying to the woman he loves for like decades, which is like, uh, I mean, it's true to the character, but I don't like that about the character. But now that we're talking about it, I feel like, oh, okay. So yeah, maybe that does, because he does, you're right. He does try to tell people and they just don't believe him because yeah. that, that honesty of like, he, he definitely would give it away to people. Like that seems real. That like, that feels like it's what Superman would do. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. There's also a line early on where Lois is like, I spent so much time convincing myself that you weren't Superman, you know, like I, I, I put my investigative reporting <laughs> skills into this 100% to try and prove this connection and I failed. And so therefore I've, pr I've convinced myself <laughs> that it's not true. And now you're telling me it is and I'm having a hard time cognitively crossing uh -huh. that bridge. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I really like, I know this is part of the, the problem of this is the there's so much stuff that we don't have any context for, but I kind of like that a little bit in the sense that it feels like that's what a super superhero universe is, especially DC, where it's like weird space stuff, like just around all the time. And this is just the world people live in now. 
where it's not this sort of like, and this is something that the movies and TV shows do all the time is like, oh, superheroes are new. They're like, it's this new thing. There's aliens now. And then like half the characters don't believe that there's aliens or whatever. And this is a, a world where like, no, we've, we've just, we've been this way for a while now. We know there's like bases on the moon and trips to the sun. And like, that's just the world now. Yeah. And I these like things that. just come out of the ground occasionally. Yeah. It's like, ah, traffic jam. <laughs> <laughs> another day in metropolis <laughs> I, mean, I think that that's something else that i really liked about this series was the sort of like cascading consequences of superman and it's like you know they talk about the superman from all these other futures and it's just like we're all the children that you've brought into the world like you're the first and now there's all these other supermen and like he has his like fortress of solitude and all of the machines and things that he's created and collected there that also have a legacy and like the the candor or is it candor or whatever the the the, the city they get shrunk down and like he puts that on mars see that's a deep cut that is a deep so cut is it krypton there's a single okay. issue of superman where and i haven't even read it i just this is how much of a nerd i am but there's a single <laughs> issue of superman where brainiac uh somehow gets a city of kryptonians and shrinks it down to miniature and um holds them hostage and like i don't know if he time travels or what but basically like there's this miniature city they're the last Kryptonians. They're the last vestiges of his homeland. And Superman rescues them from Brainiac, but he doesn't know how to make them big again. So then he just okay. keeps the city in a jar. Um, <laughs> it was just very strange to like encounter, like a lot of things, you know, it's like, yeah. and then they yeah. came back later. So it was, it was interesting because you did get a little bit of this catnip of like, oh, I saw that earlier. Now it's back right. within this work. Because you had the city in a jar and then it came back a little bit later and you're like, oh, right, the jar. Right. And then you had like the sun eater thing. Yeah. And that was like a shout out. And then like, aha, he eats sun. So we sent him to say you. And then like, I was kind of a little sad when he died. And I was like, oh, bummer. I kind of wish that had worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also really like that Superman was so upset when the sun eater died. Like here's yeah. this thing that was sent to kill him. And he's like, I've been keeping it alive in my fortress of solitude for years now. And like, I let it free to, to help me out and then it got killed and I'm really upset. Yeah. I don't think he did let it out to help him. He let it out to kind of let it be free. And he was telling the thing like, don't be here, go away. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. No, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. Um, I, I mean, again, there's all these beautiful, like little like metaphors in this work. Like I, like the fact that at one point, like even though Superman Superman takes some of the microscopic people from the city in a jar and they go into his body and they try to save his life. And they're like, sorry, we can't fix your cells. Then he's like, well, hang on. And he goes to like the cancer ward where he saw a bunch of kids earlier. And he's just like, well, here you can <laughs> all of these yeah. kids of their cancer. And you're just like, man, like that Superman is like showing up to like cure kids cancer. That's Superman. <laughs> Back Snyder. That's Superman. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like this is, this is something I've, I've thought far more about than I is justified, but that 
the limitations because if you're writing a story there's got to be some kind of limitations on your main character or it's not going to be much of a story but i feel like the limitations on superman are sort of his ethics and not in the sense like oh he can't kill people we got to write a story about how uh he can't kill people so he can't get things done it's no it's like him wanting to help everybody is a limitation and he can't physically do that despite all his powers but he can do a lot and so that's sort of the tension is like, how much can he get done? Right. And it's just like this race to save as many people as possible before he dies. And it's fitting that then at the end, it's basically like, oh, the sun is going to explode unless someone stabilizes it. And he's just like, well, I'll sacrifice myself to save everybody. <laughs> it's like, perfect. Yeah. Um, and that felt, that felt very poetic and fitting. Like I was sad when he it felt like a letdown when he died before that, where there was kind of this like fake out death before mm -hmm. that didn't feel right. And so I'm glad that he did end up and it's like reviving somehow. And <laughs> because he said no and, <laughs> and coming back and I'm, his, his final death felt a lot more poetic and fitting. Final question mark though. Like I feel uh, like this, it doesn't, this, it doesn't really matter. Does it? I, mean, I guess. I don't know, but I, I feel <laughs> like uh, of all the characters in all of superhero dumb, like this is not the first time that Superman has come back from the dead. And I feel like if you're framing him as a sun God type character, like suddenly all that makes sense. Like, of course he's going to just keep coming back from the dead. That's what the sun does every day. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, also, it wouldn't be a proper superhero work if you didn't leave the door open for it, <laughs> like revisited and beaten to death like a dead horse. Of course, but have, like the hand it's, coming it's, out of the grave. Yeah, I feel like it's hand. justified within the, the pages of this story, though, that that makes sense for that to happen. Yes. Yeah. And I was really quickly wanted to say I really liked the, even though it was a bit sudden, but I liked the appearance of the additional kryptonians while he was stuck on mm. bizarro world oh yeah that felt important too like uh, the other thing that is uh, a common theme in superman is him being an immigrant to earth and that felt like a little bit of that theme where oh, like yeah. it's just so different from these other kryptonians right and i liked so I, to me like i felt like that was just such a a thesis statement in the work because like I feel like those Kryptonians, that's Zack Snyder's Superman, like just using their power to like throw their weight around and just like decide what's good and what's bad, you know? And, and I, I, I like that they were there in contrast to Superman to be like, look, Superman has the same abilities that these people do. And he chose to not interfere. He chose to like, pretend to be Clark Kent and blend in and only show up when he's needed to save people. Like he could have declared himself emperor of the earth and just like taken over. Right. But like he didn't. And it's like, that's, I think the, this is why I'm so mad at Zack Snyder because I feel like <laughs> this is the core state, like the thesis statement of Superman is like, I have all this power but I'm not going to exploit it. I'm not going to take advantage of people. Like I'm going to do good as, as much good as I can with my power with no expectations on people to like reward me for it. And, you know, I think that's like this misstep with some people's interpretation of these super beings is like, 
it's like i feel like this is where we go wrong where it's just like oh yeah like what if he's super strong he's like punches through the guy's face like you're like yeah okay but like that superman wouldn't like that is like that's what most of us would probably do but like that's boring so like the idea of like i'm gonna hold myself back and i am gonna like you know like it's like you look at the way clark kent is this like bumbling awkward sort of person it's like superman could carve out this amazing life for himself but he chooses to like kind of be this more put upon you know civilian identity and like i don't know it's it's i think that was like really uh that was like a key moment for me reading this uh, i enjoyed that i've got one gripe about the art and it's gonna be the same gripe i had last time <laughs> I don't like the colors in this book. Oh. I think they're bad. It's all airbrush tool again. I guess this is just how people were coloring comics. Uh, it was, like, yeah, just this era where it's like we're we're all collectively learning how to use Photoshop, I guess, as an yeah. industrial tool. Yeah. It's it's it subtracts from Frank Quitely's art. Like his line work is beautiful. And like half of the line work is covered over by like filters. So it's like turned into airbrush tool it's almost distracting as like a negative space because i feel like frank quietly's work has so much detail line to it mm -hmm. like there's just so many lines <laughs> it's like it's hard yeah. to describe but like everything he draw has so many lines and then like where it bothered me the most was when they were in an office space when they were inside the daily planet and there'd be like all these like crazy rendered characters with line and then just like a flat black wall behind them like mm. just flat no line at all just like a single gradient fill and it just looks so wrong i'm like you gotta put like six little hatches on this thing you know <laughs> but the, the panels where frank quietly was able to draw rubble looked way better where you had like his rendering kind of extending uh into the panel and i understand that this is also a function of the, the timeline pressure that these artists are under but it it detracted from the work for me as well i'm glad i, I guess we've moved out of this era yeah have we, we have like if any any other super like quote unquote mainstream not really mainstream any other superhero comic i can think of that i've seen in the last 10 15 years doesn't do like gradients and airbrush as the default they'll do something else. They'll do like cell shading or they'll yeah. do like cell shading, but then airbrush for the, just the highlight part or, yeah. uh, and sometimes it can get a little excessive, but. Um, there was a moment where everything was cut gradients mm. and that also was not great. <laughs> I, I hope we can get into more texture now that we have brushes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, I'm so numb to this. Like, I, I appreciate you guys pointing this out, but like, I read so many books that have been colored this way that I'm just like, it's like, I don't even perceive it anymore. <laughs> it could be. Like it's, a, it's like the same thing as like manga being only black and white. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm so used to seeing that as well, that it's like, I, my brain fills in the rest of the world. <laughs> so I don't really think about it. I mean, and honestly, I'd say this is not as bad. I've seen much worse than this. Like, oh yeah, I agree. There was, 
there was like I think early days there was like times where like an artist would just do like a really flat character face and then the colorist was like I know what I'll do I'll do like a cheekbone and like a wrinkle and like I'll just and they just all this heavy rendering in photoshop and you're like no like just the artist (laughs) did four lines for that face don't airbrush on top of it (laughs) yeah and there's also like a lot to be said about color choice so I felt like the color choices in this book weren't so bad I liked that it kind of had a soft quality I felt like that lent itself well to the way Frank quietly draws and like his characters and kind of the way he was building the world like it wasn't so contrast there weren't a ton of spot blacks there wasn't like super saturation there were sometimes but like generally like when you're with Superman in his world it kind of had this even feel maybe as a way to put it and so the color choices didn't bother me but I'm I'm with you JD I'm not a fan of the airbrushing Mm. any anything else we want to talk about Uh, I'm just very curious what you guys thought of the two issue arc in Bizarro World I I felt like it fit like I at least know who Bizarro is and it's like a very weird place to go but I feel like that's valid for Superman for DC there's a lot of weird stuff this is the only Superman I've ever read that it feels like all those weird comics that I've seen the covers of from the 1940s would fit in this world. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. There's, there's a, there could be a cube planet. Sure. All right. Like I, I, I appreciated that they were willing to get weird with this series. And like, I had enough context where I'm like, right. Bizarro world. Like, so I'm just curious, like, especially jam just because you maybe don't have all that context. Like, sure. I was reading that chapter with the dialogue and I was like, oh my God, this is the one where they're going to be like, Jeff, what did you make us read? <laughs> I I also knew of Bizarro Superman. So I kind of had enough of that. I found it just difficult to parse. So it was a slog trying to parse it. I did not enjoy the like, they speak in a weird way and also speak opposite. So it was just like, it kind of slowed me down from a legibility perspective. <laughs> so uh, I didn't hate it, but I also didn't, it wasn't my favorite. Fair enough. I think Zibaro is an original Grant Morrison creation. Feels uh, like it. Which, I don't know, it was very, I, I thought that was very like, it felt kind of special boy character to me where he's like, I'm the one, I'm the one that doesn't speak backwards and opposite. They all make <laughs> fun of me. I just want also get- like, it doesn't, it's clearly not like thematic that's not important to the story that he's that right so it doesn't matter it's fine yeah it's fine yeah Yeah, i guess like it's fine is kind of how i feel (laughs) i mean it it did set up a good dilemma for superman um i was actually invested him getting on that rocket to be launched back to earth and then that gave them the space for the replacement kryptonians to show up so yeah Anyways, the, I, overall, like, I think I'm glad you mentioned the callbacks because I think that even though it had a lot of weird references, I did appreciate that Grant took the time to, like, go back to all the weird stuff from the first, you know, six volumes and then bring them back into the last or six, you know, like, it's sort of like none of these things are one-offs. It's like, yeah, there's a micro city. The micro city comes back. The sun eater comes back. Like, <laughs> I, I just appreciate as a, uh, an author that he sort of tied tied all the loops, you know. Yeah, um, 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of Superman, Superman stories that I would recommend to anyone, but if someone was looking for a Superman book, uh, I think this is the best I've got to recommend right now. So I would agree. If that's what you want. Yeah, I enjoyed reading it and I found it was legible. There we go. <laughs> I got through it. Yeah, and, and I didn't got hate the lots experience. Of Frank Quitely, and that, that's great. Yeah, Frank Quitely was great. I liked the writing. I like Grant Morrison. I liked the overall arc. So I agree. Like this, thank you for recommending it, Jeff. Now okay. I have one other superhero comic under my belt. There we go. <laughs> well, I did it. I'll, uh, if you guys like that one, I will also just say, because we just did Paul Dini's uh, Mad Love. Uh, Paul Dini did a series of fully painted picture books with superheroes. Um, oh, cool. And he started with, uh, so Alex Ross does the painting. Oh yeah, okay. I have a couple of those. So Paul those are Dini, also good. Yeah, so Superman Peace on Earth is about Superman versus world hunger. Yeah, that's another one where like <laughs> feels like the limitations on Superman are how to be good. Yeah. Like, which is not always an easy thing. Not the limitation being, oh, kryptonite. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, should we do shout outs? Yeah, we can do some shout outs here. I'll, I'll start with a shout out. So we did an, an Eisner award winning book last week, and I just wanted to shout out an Eisner award winning book this week. So Little Bird, uh, written by uh, local creator Darcy Van Holgeest. I hope I said that right. Won an Eisner and now Little Bird's in a trade paperback form so maybe this will be a trade waiters in the future uh i'm gonna shout out the dawn of everything a new history of humanity by david graber and david wengrow it's a massive history book history slash anthropology and it's uh, i don't know it's a big deal i feel like this is sort of it sets out to redefine the story we tell ourselves about human history, and it does a pretty good job of doing exactly that. Uh, I recommend it very highly. Uh, you should read this book. It's on my list. My shout out is to a YouTube channel that I've shouted out before, Casually Comics. Uh, she just recently did a really fantastic episode on the history of the comics code which I felt was very relevant to the last two episodes that we've done. So if you're interested in how the comics code came to be and what, so basically the episode is she's going into the letter of the code. So line by line, what the code actually said and exploring some of the reasons why the code was written that way and how comics adapted to, to live under this, uh, these limitations. And I think it's really interesting to examine that in the context of what we're going through now with some of uh, the, the restrictions in media that may be coming for us soon. So our next book is going to be volumes one and two of Barefoot Gen by Keiji Nakazawa. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank Sleuth for the music. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Ko-fi. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.